This is the housekeeper, for this house was never meant to be a podcast. We cannot reach the phone right now, so please leave a message after the tone. Hey, you two. It's me, Alternate Universe Zack. We know you've taken quite a bit of absence when it comes to the show you've been talking about. And us on the dark side are not appreciative of how long this has been taking. You've got some unfinished business to take care of. And it's high time you got back to finishing what you started. We're all awaiting your progress, Melina and Zach. Don't disappoint us. This house. Never meant to be a podcast. Hello, listeners. I'm Zach. And I'm Valina. And we're just a couple of horror fans making a horror podcast. Welcome to This House Was Never Meant to Be a Podcast. We're going to cover all of the horror anthology shows that we can get our hands on. And today, at long last, we will be returning to Tales from the Dark Side with the episode... All a clone by the telephone. And boy, what an episode to return to after a little break. <laughs> yeah, after writing a bunch of essays for the secondary applications for med school, what I really want to do is come back to a nice steaming pile of uh, Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> steaming dark, A steaming pile is quite right, Valina. This episode... This is a bad one, let me tell you, folks. Don't get me wrong, though. It is hilarious. Like, this is not the kind of bad that makes me angry like the last couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. This is actually really hilarious. This episode is really stupid, and it makes no sense, but it is not really anger-inducing. Like, I'm not watching this being upset at how BS the characters are or how painfully inefficient or incompetent the writers are or who everyone else who's involved. This is just stupid. The writers had no clue what they were trying to do with regards to an explanation of why the plot is occurring, but they go for it. They have no clue what they're doing and they're tripping on their own feet as they're going, but they really are going for it. It's it's hilarious. So I'm actually very glad to be back, but it is uh, not a good episode. Definitely. So tell me, who is some of the people that are involved with this episode? Who do we have to blame for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was directed by Frank De Palma, written by Haskell Barkin. So he's probably the, the worst one to blame, <laughs> Mr. Barkin. Uh, produced by TJ Castronova. He pretty much is one of the top producers of the show. Mm -hmm. Like I know It's no surprise when you see TJ Castronova on any episode of Tales from the Dark Side. He just does that much for the show. Yeah. I mean, we never really mention the, I guess, the directors and producers and writers too often unless it's based off of a story. This one definitely is not. But... Let that be these a warning. Guys are, <laughs> yeah, these guys are the main dudes in charge. If we don't really mention them, it's probably one of these guys. But, I mean, there's several others we'll probably mention at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but those dudes are very, very common to be the, like, dudes behind the episodes. And, of course, for our cast, we have the main character who's played by Henry <laughs> Harry Anderson. 
With I those cursive ours. He he's got this face that you feel like you've seen him from something, but like I scrolled through his IMDb and I've not seen him in like anything. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've not watched the original It. I've watched the new It, both one and two, but I've not mm-hmm. watched the original. I plan to, but I have not yet. And he was actually Richie Tozier in that series, hmm. which is you know I mean that's pretty cool. Uh, he was also in, I believe, Night Court, which I've not watched. I don't even know if it's horror, but... It's not. <laughs> oh, it's not? It's not. Okay, well, he was in that. His one girlfriend is played by Marcy Barkin, who's in things, I guess. She also seems like someone who I've, like, heard or seen before, but she de- you, definitely not. She's in hardly anything. Um, and uh, his agent, Seymour, who's played by Dick Miller, who I've absolutely seen in something. He was somebody or rather in gremlins one and two and even though i can't really remember who he was he was clearly in that movie as someone very trustworthy be him being in this episode you automatically like him not just because Mm -hmm. he's a likable character just as a character in this but he's just a likable guy yeah and of course the other dude who shows up quentin he plays beelzebub in another episode of this my favorite the yattering jack Mm -hmm. so uh that's all out of the way should we just jump right into what can pass as a plot? Sure, they did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, exactly. Let's not even think about this. We'll just jump right in. Um, Nose okay. first, blindfold on. <laughs> yes. Okay, so basically it starts with this guy. He's a writer in Hollywood. And as he's immediately telling us behind a closed office door to his agent, who again is uh, Seymour, played by Dick Miller. He has not worked in six months, mm-hmm. and he's really unhappy with this. And, of course, uh, Seymour is telling him that he really likes his answering machine message. It's really funny and stuff. It's not necessarily professional, but it's really funny. He yeah, without has, Bronx flair. No, it's Bronx cheer, which is a, apparently, I looked it up because I was confused. <laughs> Bronx cheer, according to Seymour, is a raspberry. Yeah, that's what it's called, playing a raspberry. Um. <laughs> So this confuses the heck out of Seymour. He's like, this is, I wouldn't put that on my answering machine. It's just, hi, this is, you reached Leon and I'm not here. Please leave a message. So he goes home and he listens to it, of course. And it is not actually what he thought it was. And it ends with not a beep, but like a little slidey whistle. (laughs) And he gets sort of mad. He's like, who gives a job to like a joke, to a practical joke? And, of course, he, he gets really angry. Why is everything I buy always defective? And, like, same, dude. <laughs> so he actually listens to some of the answering machine messages. And one of them is his girlfriend who's, like, really angry. How dare you use your answering machine to tell people that my mom's a bag lady? And she gets really mad because apparently he insulted her mom by saying that she likes shopping for bags and stuff. And she, like, dumps him. Like, I don't want to be married to a coward. He uses his answering machine to do all this dirty work. And I just, like, she's doing it. She's dumping her, like, boyfriend and wannabe fiancé over the answering machine. So, like, she's a dirty hypocrite. So, of course, he gets kind of mad and leaves to go to Dolores. And the answering machine... It actually starts speaking of its own accord after Leon leaves, and it says, you know, he's going to have to learn who's in charge here, and it, of course, does another Bronx cheer. So, yes. So, he goes to Dolores' house, and, like, I'm pretty sure she's completely naked, and she actually painted, like, a gray tank top on. (laughs) 
because you can see like her entire chest like there is nothing left to the imagination here and i almost want to add that she's clearly very cold because she's i mean you know madonna pointy bra levels of pointy here so he goes in there and he's like saying, oh, my machine is defective. That wasn't You forgot me. the line that she mentioned when she says like, oh, this better be good, Leon. Like Academy Award winning in terms of her his apology to her, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, she wants him to or be Or explanation. Acting. That was it. It was an explanation. Again, I have no clue why she said that, but that's what she said. Like, this apology better be good. Academy Award winning. Uh, and he really wasn't there to apologize. He's just there to say, hey, that you know, wasn't me. He- My answering machine is making funny noises. Yeah, it's like funny noises an entire conversation. So, like, <laughs> I I don't know what he's talking about. But uh, she doesn't really buy his explanation, saying she heard his voice saying all these things. And she gives, like, a little deeper explanation to exactly what it was he said over the phone. Which, it doesn't even sound like a big insult i mean it just sounded like he was saying that the mother didn't like anyone except i mean and, and the names like mr gucci and several other name designer brand brands bag yeah. people but like at the same time if anything that's kind of slyly bragging about how rich her mom is so i mean it is saying she is a loveless hag but like also that she's super rich so i mean i don't know it's not that big of a insult to like dump someone over in such a petty way but when he leaves she goes as if she didn't really want him to leave but it's like she was the one dumping him like what's her problem she's the one who made it sound like he was like doing something completely unforgivable so for her to act like she doesn't want him to leave it doesn't really make any sense and also i do want to mention he clearly does not care about her at all it's like he's there just to clear things up so she knows it wasn't him but he's not actually trying to repair the relationship like he clearly Mm -hmm. doesn't want her back but she clearly wants him back. It's it's a bit of a kind of a wasted scene because we honestly could have and did just get all this information two seconds ago when he was just listening to the answering machine. So it was kind of unnecessary. Uh, except for maybe your boobs. I guess they just wanted to see that. So he goes home. Or rather, he is home. And he's in bed. And he wakes up to his answering machine telling him to wake up and to not leave him stranded like this. And, of course, he's like, you know, he, like, grabs his alarm clock as though he's going to use it as a weapon. And he's like, where are you? And, of course, the answering machine says... And the answering machine, where else? Yeah, like, where else? Like, where else would a person who just, like, supposedly broke into your apartment, where else would they be? Of course it's the answering machine. And the answering machine has been, like, unplugged from the wall. Uh Uh-huh. And the answering machine says, you know, I'm stranded here. That's why he's, like, kind of complaining to be helped while this scene is going on this is the moment you really realize leon and his answering machine's voice sound nothing alike despite being played by the same voice actor the voice actor makes a very good job of making his answering machine voice sound nothing like him yeah they sound totally different because like this dude i mean i don't know if you if you have seen him in other things then you know he's very kind of what's a good word for that i mean put it this way he looks like a hobbit So he's that kind of a face and that kind of a voice. I mean, he's not like British or anything, but he's just that kind of, he's like a hobbit. I want to say he has old world looks. 
Like, he looks like someone you would see in an old photo in old England, but with, like, a brindle hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not good at describing other human beings, but <laughs> I, I would say yes. But his voice, or the answering machine voice, has, like, you know, a, like a Brooklyn accent or a yeah. uh, New York accent and sounds nothing like him at all. He's very he sounds sleazy. like a used car salesman. Yes, he's he's very slimy kind and, of a And voice. sounds like he would start every sentence with ha cha cha. <laughs> yes, it's 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 wonderful actually. It's the saving grace of this episode and I am not being sarcastic or joking. <laughs> I I adore that kind of a voice to be honest with you. It's so mm. fun and it can make a horrible episode much better just by its presence. Mm-hmm. So this guy, he takes it pretty well. He just immediately assumes he's cracking up. And the answering machine's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You you could be, but it's neither here nor there. not my problem. (laughs) Yes. And he wants to be plugged back in. And he he decides that the real explanation here, and this is the answering machine saying this, that they're in an alternate universe. And, of course, the answering answering machine isn't in an alternate universe, so it literally must be Leon who's in it. So he just needs to call people now. And that's really the only explanation you get. An alternate universe where the answering machine speaks with Leon's voice. Now, to literally anyone, that might make you think, is it like one of those scenarios where you have someone leaving themselves or some other person within like a different dimension or whatever messages via the answering machine? No, because clearly the answering machine is sentient. And not only that... The answering machine refers to itself as though it is the answering machine. Leaving it plugged in, giving it fresh batteries. Yeah, it actually describes itself in terms of electronics. Like, you might expect a robot to be describing themselves. So, Mm. it's not this alternate universe Leon. It's not in the answering machine. He is not a Leon talking through an answering machine. As a matter of fact, considering he refers to Leon as Leon and not, like... (laughs) a clone or anything despite the title the only thing that they actually have in common is is their voice and even then it doesn't sound like voice actor yeah the voice (laughs) actors are the same i think their actual voices are different so just the explanation here it being an alternate universe makes literally no sense and the fact and the fact that people mistake them for each other is hilarious it's like sonic adventure 2 where everyone mistakes shadow for sonic despite being completely different yeah it's like do you have like eyeballs (laughs) like that's not the same (laughs) and here it's like anyone with like ears would know that that's not leon i mean maybe someone who's never heard leon's voice before might think it's leon like that would make sense like the producers or his people he's trying to get his agent to call him they have not heard Leon, so they have a reason to think that that's him. But his wife or his uh, girlfriend and fiance. And, well, she wants to be his fiance. She was like begging him to like be married, and he doesn't like it. Hmm. But they have no excuse to think that's him. He doesn't speak with an accent. So why all of a sudden do they think he became like a used car salesman from the Bronx? <laughs> I, it doesn't make any sense. But I guess alternate universe is the explanation. Alternate universe. Keep that in mind. Yeah, it's 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 completely nonsensical, and that's the only explanation we get is that oh, you know, alternate universes, you're living in one, Bucko, and then that's it. Pow. That's it. That is literally it. So he plugs him in. He immediately goes and calls some rando from a movie place, and he just flirts with her really uncomfortably, and she's mm-hmm. just eating it all in, and it's really gross and it's the acting style that makes you feel uncomfortable yeah like they're right about to do it over the answering machine <laughs> and of course i actually really love leon's face he looks utterly horrified and i was i mean i felt that 
I've literally felt the same way as he was like backing off. Um, so the very next day, <laughs> uh, I, I want to cover a bit of the the, the show band. Oh God! <laughs> How would you like to work with Ingmar Bergman? Oh, you know Ingmar Bergman? Like it's just. I mean, I don't want to get crass here, but it's turning her on. <laughs> it is. It is so uncomfortable. Like, kisses. oh my gosh. He, he does say kisses. Oh. It's so awful. It, it really is. It makes me uncomfortable to think it's about so it. It's so uncomfortable Leon passes out. Oh, yes. And the next scene is that he's in Seymour's office, and he's straight up asking about alternate universes. Have you ever heard of alternate universes? And Seymour has, like, the actual best response. He says, sure, that's where writers live. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's hilarious. Uh, and he mentions that he's got him two TV producers who want to talk to him. And it's 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 really funny because Leon just, re- I mean, I feel like it's sarcastic. Know, but right? he says, Yahoo. And Don't he forget, like, he, he slaps the table just really quick, just like, yeah, Yahoo. Yeah, and then of course Seymour responds with, one of them's a Yahoo, but in your position, you can't be choosy. It's just so funny. And, you know, he delivers it in not an insulting way. Mm-hmm. It's just a really kind of like a friendly joke way. I just really uh-huh. love this guy. And he has this sweet smile. Like, he's just your kind of buddy. And this poor guy, like, he's working mm-hmm. his butt off for Leon to get him these dudes here. Anyone, because Leon mentioned he's not worked for so long. Hard cut to that whole meeting not working out between either of those two dudes. <laughs> yeah, he goes home immediately on the answering machine. Seymour's like, eh, it didn't work out. Sorry about that, but, you know. <laughs> Nobody works this time of year. Yes, so he's trying to make him feel better. So Seymour's not feeling so great about that, but all of a sudden, Dolores just, like, bursts into his apartment wearing actual clothes this time. <laughs> And she kisses him and is like, when's the wedding going to be? And, of course, Seymour's like, what? what? He's, like, super confused. And this is, like, super awful. She's like, on your answering machine, you called me and you apologized. Wow, Leon apologizing. It even sounded like you were in tears. And, first of all, why would you want to be with someone who refused to apologize ever? Like, come Especially on. Especially in person. Yeah. And then... <laughs> He's, he's like, super confused. He's like, I didn't call you. What? I don't remember that. He's like, you left me the most beautiful message on your answering machine threatening to kill yourself if I refuse to marry you. <laughs> and it was like, Red was alert. like, what the heck? And then she was all like, oh, and we'll even have that tape for our children someday. And like, what? <laughs> like, that is so wrong on so many levels. And it's so funny. In both of our notes for this episode, we both are just in shock that she thinks it's sweet that he was <laughs> he was threatening to kill himself if she didn't marry him. That Jesus is, Christ. That is like <laughs> such a no-no. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> that is not good in any way. And we were both really shook <laughs> having to watch that. So anyway, um, he actually is really angry right now and starts yelling at her for not... This whole segment's a little bit confusing because his anger... He gets angry... And he vents it out on her, despite him not being mad at 
her. Well, he is kind of mad at her because he clearly was not invested in the relationship <laughs> and was perfectly happy that it was over. Because when she kissed him, he's not even happy about it. He's just kind of like, eh. So the whole relationship doesn't seem to work on any level. Like, yeah. she likes him and he clearly does not like her. But he, f- after yelling at her about answering machines ruining people's lives <laughs> saying it wasn't him he turns around oh, and there's a light yeah the light of a machine behind him goes on and he turns around and he just grabs it and just throws it to the ground it breaks into like a billion pieces and Dolores says why did you break your VHS player videotape machine videotape machine <laughs> I don't even know what that- I was recording the game that's why the light turned on. And it's like... Bum, bum, it just, bum, it, <laughs> Yeah, it was like that scene in one of the Simpson Treehouse of Horrors when Homer Simpson takes the... Uh, it, it's based off of... Uh, 2001, 2001 Space Odyssey. Space when they have that smart house that controls your lives. Homer grabs an axe and starts attacking this robot thing in their basement. And then Lisa's like, Dad, that's a water softener. And he's all like, I am missing the back of my head. I think you could cut me some slack. Yeah, it really straight up <laughs> felt like that. He just destroys a VHS player and then like not the answering machine. And then he starts... I don't know if he starts yelling at her then. She kind of, like, goes down to comfort him or something. And then he starts screaming at her about, like, Have you never heard of an alternate universe? Does alternate universe mean something to you? And honestly, he's acting like a crazy person. He's he just is. yelling at her for nothing. And she's like, hey, you know what? Maybe my mom was right. Maybe I uh, shouldn't marry you. And he, and he, he actually, roars. Yeah, he, like, roars at her. Man. And, like, actually, like, kind of physically threatens her with a VHS space plate. Like, it's like, what the heck? This dude really is not a good person i don't even know what she sees in him know, right? you know, so she leaves after insulting him and, and like, his writing yeah his writing's like oh well fine you're crazy and also your writing sucks and then she leaves but like i don't see if she's wrong here clearly no one wants to work with him and he's also not a good person and uh-huh. like her I based don't... on the way he was hunched over that vhs <laughs> player like a coyote over its kill just made him look like a psychopath yeah, and honestly, this is one part where the really the, this episode really kind of fails for me on a basic level, and it's just making the main character completely unlikable. Because mm-hmm. I know that I don't know if they're trying to make him sympathetic or if they're trying to make it unlikable, but they could have used this as like oh a breaking point. And I feel like they skim past far too much. So by the time it reaches this point, oh he's finally broken. But like it's less by- than ten minutes into the episode. Yeah, it is like like what five or six minutes really. I mean, not a lot of time has passed. So. And they didn't build it at all. So at this point, it just feels like he's out of his mind. Like, it, it feels like this dude has always been like this. It doesn't feel like this is his breaking point. It feels like, mm-hmm. wow, this dude's just a jerk. He's acting like he had weeks and weeks of stress within three days. Yeah, I mean, and maybe that was supposed to be implied, but I really don't know. They don't do a good job of portraying that. So it just makes him look like a giant jerk. So either way, he turns to AM, who is now kind of like, I was trying to do you a favor. Oh, yeah. Answering machine. It, it, that's what AM stands oh, for. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I have it in my notes written as AM because I wasn't about to write answering machine five million times. Uh-huh. So if I say AM, I'm talking about answering machine, not AM from Harlan Ellison's wonderful short story. I have no mouth and I must scream. I mean, I know I mentioned that in the previous episode, AM, but... I'm not trying to confuse the two. This guy is a lot nicer than that guy. <laughs> but he turns to the answering machine, who says he was trying to do him a favor, and... You know, one universe reaching out to another, eh? 
And he threatens to erase him or unplug him or whatever the heck he's going to do with the answering machine. He he notably does not say, oh, yeah, well, I destroyed my VHS player. I'm going to just do the same thing to you. He doesn't do that. He just presses a button. He unplugs him from the wall, and then he just presses a button. He presses the erase button. Which is weird because... That erases the message left for the answering machine. But like, wouldn't you naturally do that? Like, if your answering machine was full? Like, how would that actually... That's not going to destroy because the answering machine. there's the recordings and the recorded message. But see, and... Right? There's two tapes. One of them is the, I am not here right now. Please leave a message after the beep. And then the other tape records the, hi, this is yada yada, leaving a message but about yada yada. It doesn't, I mean, the whole alternate universe thing, that none of it makes any sense for why that hurts the answering machine. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. And the dude is like, I'm going to delete a universe. And it's like, you're really not. Like, you're you're just deleting the dude, if anything. <laughs> so it just, it's really stupid. Um, and he, like, presses the Important, button like he's like. He warns, oh, you'll be sorry, I got friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I am, like, after trying to beg for for his life basically threatens him with his friends are going to come and get him so leon just presses the button like a freaking executioner sending a guillotine down and he has the stupidest look of vengeance on his face he's just pressing a button it's so stupid (laughs) so yeah the next scene he's waking up because someone's calling him and it's an answering machine or, or a recorded message saying some unimportant thing about like the hours of like a hospital or something and then of course that's just like a very quick scene the next scene after that is he's leaving for work and some random dude driving up in his car says this may sound really weird but are you leon and he's just kind of like eh, why do you want to know and he just oh, he has a phone, in his, phone car. in his car yeah that was a big feature back in the 80s that's so bizarre uh but now he just, it's illegal <laughs> <laughs> yes he just holds his phone out and says i'm trying to talk to you about montana weather conditions are you an fbi agent and then leon that, just like, does that mean something you got an fbi agent leon angrily drives away i love how quickly that escalates to weather in montana to are you some kind of agent for the fbi like <laughs> clearly a code for fbi why would they be calling this guy asking for leon you You know know what i have just a quick little fan theory the dude who pulled up is secretly an fbi agent (laughs) and is trying to confirm if he is one too (laughs) but he didn't want to say explicitly he didn't want to like blow both the covers at once exactly (laughs) makes makes just as much sense as this plot (laughs) so see he's in seymour's office now and the boss tells leon that he can't reach him for whatever reason. Hmm. And oh. he was trying to reach trying to reach him. And he says he's like unplugged his answering machine and he keeps getting calls because mm-hmm. he had unplugged his phone because he keeps getting these rando bot calls that we get nowadays mm-hmm. about just recorded messages telling you stuff that has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna chase bank. Your bank account's been compromised. Please, Please text send us a social your security social security number. number. Like I don't even use this bank. <laughs> I mean, nothing bad against Chase Bank. It was just the first bank to pop it in mind for some reason. So, yes, Seymour is very upset. And, no, not Seymour. <laughs> Leon is very upset. Well, they're both kind of upset. And Seymour is just kind of like, what the heck's gone into you? And his phone rings. He answers it. And then hands it to Leon. Oh, it's for you. And he's like, I don't want it. And then he gives him a big old explanation why he's not answering the phone. And Seymour's like, not buying it. Like, well, I don't have all day. Take the phone. And it is predictably an answering machine or a recording. So he... Like, Seymour asks... If it's, what what was the phone call about? And he's like, uh, it's about how to avoid an audit or whatever. And he's like, you're being audited? Is that why? And he's like, 
No, I just keep getting these weird calls. I got street conditions in 12 different states. I got weather conditions in, in 15. I And opening times and closing times for superstores. And all of this, all of this random stuff. And he's like, I mean, you heard it yourself. You know I'm not going crazy, right? And Seymour's like, I don't know. He's <laughs> like, uh, the jury's still out, dude. <laughs> so the next scene... Seymour's just like at his apartment watching TV while eating like so much takeout. What what exactly? What three things were there? I mean, it looked like he was straight up like there was like an empty pizza box, there was like Chinese takeout, and he was like currently eating fried chickens. Like he was just eating everything. <laughs> and I feel like this would have been the good point to have him like have like that flip out with his girlfriend because this feels like the point at where he's gonna break. But mm. then was way too soon. Yeah. So either way, the phone is ringing nonstop as he's watching TV. And he does not know if he should answer it because, I mean, clearly who would, who would. And he actually just starts worrying that it might actually be Seymour or maybe a producer. So he just kind of stands up and just starts yelling at the phone saying, <laughs> Seymour, is, that, is you? that you? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find out just by yelling at it. But at the same time, I think that's like a kind of a funny thing that <laughs> someone might actually do just alone in their house. So it was kind of a funny moment. It'd be even funnier if it answered yes. <laughs> So he picks it up, listens for, like, a second, then he hangs it up, sits back down, and then is like, oh, I want to see more, and then quickly, like, runs up and grabs it and answers it again, and Seymour's, like, kind of confused. He's like, oh, oh I lost, we, we broke up. Yeah, we lost connection there for a second, and he says, oh, yeah, there's this one producer who really wants to hire you, and Leon all of a sudden just falls to the floor holding the phone, he says, I made it, I made it, finally made it. And then we get to see the glory that is that producer, Quentin. Yes, this dude, I believe I mentioned him before. He's Tom Newman. He he plays he plays Beelzebub mm-hmm. in a later episode. But if we could describe him, it would be Super Mario. Yes. He's just a tall <laughs> Super Mario. He's even wearing like full he's in a full red jumpsuit. He's mm-hmm. got this big black bushy mustache. And he's for some reason got a tennis racket. Um, also like him. Mario. Yes, Mario <laughs> plays all the sports. And clearly this guy does too. And he's telling Leon that he's so excited to hear his pitch, that it's going to be this 10-part miniseries, and he's just so excited. He's been kept up at night just thinking about it. And Leon's really confused. He's like, which pitch is this? And the man, the producer, says, yeah, I, I don't actually remember. I just remember being super excited about it. Now, I want the whole rest of it now. And Leon is like, wait, when I... I yeah, I don't really remember. I have so many ideas. Could you just tell me like a little bit? You must remember something. And of course, the guy doesn't, which I mean, I'm going to call BS on because if he's so excited that he was awake at night thinking about it, he did not forget about it. Like no matter how many other ideas other people pitched to him, if this made him so excited, there's no way he would have forgotten like every single detail. Mm-hmm. So Leon says, well, what I told you, that was everything just in a nutshell (laughs) i wrote this down quentin says and i quote we also need the nut too (laughs) so leon really drowning in all this confusion finally asks the producer when did we have this conversation and the producer's like what conversation i was like you know the one where i pitched you this wonderful idea and the producer says Oh, we didn't have a conversation. You pitched the idea to me on my answering machine. 
And of course, that's when Leon realizes, oh, geez, the answering machine was one pitching this idea and I unplugged him. So he immediately like gets up from his chair and it's ridiculous what he says. It's so stupid funny. I will get you that nut, sir. I'll give you lots of nuts. <laughs> of course, like freaking babies, are, you know, like our like the chi- children we are. We like got a real kick out of that, of course. <laughs> so he flees the office and he ends up back at his apartment. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Kind of like apologizing to the answering machine. And he plugs him in and he's kind of starts like bargaining with the answering machine like oh i'll give you all the batteries you like no uh do you want to talk to that girl that you were talking to from the movie place you know were you like that kissy kissy (laughs) it was like (laughs) i was like oh god please don't and he gets mad because the answering machine is making these like high-pitched electronic noises not really speaking and he starts, of course, bargaining more with it and getting no response. He you know, angrily says, well, I'm offering all that he can. And, of course, that's when the answer Not machine. quite. Yeah, and his voice is all very threatening now. And, of course, he's trying to guess what he wants. He's like, you want money? No, what would I do with that? Uh, you want you want Dolores? You want to, you want to marry Dolores? What? That cow? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> for Leon, do you want to marry her? <laughs> like, why would the answering machine? And it takes him like a second thinking of, I guess, what he would want. And then it dawns on him. Fame. Now you're getting the whole picture. And I do want to mention that makes no sense at all. And he starts talking about how he's... There's only room for, like, one name up there, and he's going to get all this fame for writing all these things that he's having Leon write, and it's going to be all his deal. But it's like, he's an answering machine. His name is, you know... TC30? Yeah, so what? they're calling Leon, so he can't just sign his name, what would clearly be a brand of answering machine. I, I don't get that at all. And if he is this alternate version of Leon, then isn't his name Leon? So how does that work out? It doesn't make any sense. It just, it just straight up doesn't. So that's not unfortunately the last scene. The last scene. But it is. But it is absolute bad news for Leon, yeah. who looks Ugh. like he just was told that he had to give up his soul. Yes, I mean that is that is literally what this feels like. Like Leon just traded his soul away, and it makes no sense. I will get to the final scene, which is. It's early in the morning. The answering machine wakes up Leon, telling him to rise and shine. And inspiration inspiration doesn't wait. And this super threatening, scary music is playing. And Leon gets up. He's like lighting a cigarette and tapping at his typewriter as the answering machine is placed on this little pedestal-like end table in front of the window, but in in front of where Leon's working. He's not even working at a desk. He's just sitting on the sofa tapping at a typewriter. On a coffee table. Yeah, and then the answering machine is sitting on that table just in front of that. Now, where was I? Yeah, and he just, like, threatening, just in this very threatening voice, just starts, like, continuing the scene where you left off. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, some guy hugs this girl at an airport, and they're both happy because it's a new day. Oh, and then, like, lights are flashing, and then they get in the car. It's <laughs> pretty insipid, but it just ends like that. And it's... <sighs> Like it, 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 I, 
I don't understand why Leon is acting like this is the end of the world. This is literally what Leon wanted. He Mm -hmm. wanted a producer to work with him. And everyone and the entire implication throughout this episode is that Leon actually sucks at his job. That's why no one wants to work with him. And the fact that this answering machine is giving him these ideas for free in exchange for having quote unquote its name given the credit and keeping in mind that this thing is basically him. So its name is also presumably his name. It's like, why is he upset about this? Like, why is threatening music playing? This dude is getting everything he wants. He's got a job again. He's working with a famous producer. Why is he so upset? He's upset because he's not writing his own stories. But like, Which is not really something writers generally do. But there's the problem, though. He wanted it because he woke the answering machine up the first time. Because he's like, oh, what, what ideas did I pitch you? And then he's like, oh, I'll be right back with the, with all those nuts. And then he like <laughs> comes back apologizing to the answering machine. He did, but in fact... What, what did he expect? Yeah, he, like, he did want those ideas. So like the fact that he's all upset after the answering machine basically gives him everything he wants makes no sense is he mad that he has to wake up early like i mean i might be a little bit mad about that but like (laughs) it was super sunny outside so it didn't seem like it was that early so can we speak about that window oh yeah (laughs) there are some weird angles to that window yeah according to the angle of his window that leads out to a balcony his building is probably leaning at a good like I want to say 75 degree angle, just leaning over like the leaning tower of pizza over the next building, because you can see all of the roof on the next building and out into the city. But in order to have that angle, the building must be like leaning hardcore. Mm. I mean, maybe they really are in an alternate universe. With the, <laughs> what is it? Non, <laughs> I'm going to smash this name. Uh, non Euclidean. Geometry? I can't pronounce it, but I've read it in a billion H.P. Lovecraft books. So with that kind of geometry going on, they're clearly not in the normal universe. (laughs) So uh, it must be a bizarre alternate universe. universe. Architecture. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that was all a clone by the telephone. It's insane. (laughs) It makes no sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I kind of feel like, considering the theme of him being this Hollywood writer, and also for some bizarre reason, his apartment is just littered with posters of old black and white actors and actresses. And directors. And directors. And just like, it looks like singers and performers as well. Mm-hmm. Not not writers in any way, shape, or form. Again, they someone told the set dresser, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and they just ran with whoever was on the first page of Google when you type in Hollywood star. Yeah, like, at, at Google, the time. But <laughs> it, it's really bizarre because I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to tell you is, oh, it's Hollywood, but it doesn't really fit for him because he's a writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know if any of those dudes were actually writers, but I don't think they were. And the camera actually focuses in on some of the faces of the poster sometimes. So they clearly intentionally mean to have them there. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than, ooh, this is Hollywood. But I feel like they're trying to perhaps, and this is my best guess for the meaning of this episode, is I think what they're trying to say that if you're like a writer in Hollywood or TV, that 
you have very little creative control over your own projects. And that's why he's so upset at the end that he has, I mean, literally no control. His like answering machine is doing all the work for him. But it could also be, and this is me probably pushing real, real hard, but that he's become so very detached from himself that there's this creator part of him, the writer, that's Leon. And then there's this kind of smoozy part that has to like kiss all the butts and like really brown schmooze and like brown nose and it's basically you know i want to say like a like a phone tag game right he's got to contact all these people he like never sees and he has to talk to all these people that he may never meet in person who might not even call him back maybe he does this so often he starts forgetting what exactly he pitched to them right he's just throwing things out there to everyone so eventually it feels like there's two of him one of them who's this kind of like hollywood schmucko (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just watched magic. But that kind of a dude versus the writer who's the kind of more quiet loser. Loser. That is Leon. So there's like this two of them and one's kind of pushing the other to work, even doing things he doesn't like. So that could very well be it. Maybe the actual purpose of this episode that he's just so detached from these two versions of himself. The one that has to do all these things. I, I feel like that's probably the purpose of the episode. Maybe what they, they wanted to say with that episode. I just feel like if that is what they wanted to say, that perhaps it was just really executed poorly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that idea of an alternate universe just felt really ridiculous. And, and unfleshed out. Yeah, very unfleshed out. But unfortunately, they lean on that far too hard to really go with, is Leon just cracking? Mm-hmm. Because that whole thing with all these recordings talking to him that were completely random recordings, mind you, those feel more like an actual, I don't know, revenge of the answering machine as opposed to him trying to conduct his business and only being able to reach people's voicemails which they could have done and made it sound like he really was cracking based on this pressure and this kind of being isolated from other human beings while still having to do such human being centered work Uh with people watching with entertainment right so that's very people centered and yet he's so detached from other people i feel like they could have really gone with that perspective and and they really leaned this ai kind of a way that didn't make a lot of sense so again i feel like they should have maybe focused more on it being a psychological kind of thing but they don't I mean, again, it's one of those episodes and you'll see this in like anthology shows frequently. I know I saw it in Alfred Hitchcock Presents. It's the doppelganger episode Mm. where there is someone who is you basically going around and undoing your life behind your back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they do go out of their way to say this is Leon's voice. He just has this different personality and, and very specifically the schmoozy kind of personality. So I feel like perhaps what I'm saying is, in fact, what their purpose was. But again, ugh, they... again, if that was an intended purpose, they didn't meet it because there are scenes in there that make you think that that's clearly not what's happening. If he was simply breaking and that's himself how did he have a live conversation with him and then stop him by unplugging him from the answering machine and also erasing him? Yeah. the It, it doesn't add up in that regard. Yeah, Though the, I do like that idea. Yeah, the symbolism doesn't really line up. I, just at least not very well. And of course, I feel like they waste a lot of time in the beginning. I feel like the, the, the girlfriend, the, that whole thing... 
it, I mean, it could show that he's, I mean, he's very isolated, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't, considering he never really has a relationship with her at all. Like, she seems to like him a lot, but for no reason, because he clearly has no feeling for her whatsoever. I feel like they could have just cut that entire thing out and focused more on his job thing. And yeah. maybe, I don't know, like maybe even had him, like a brief scene of him even passing a couple or something and him like looking, oh, I wish I could have time for something like that or something to sort of show that he's isolated. Maybe he would like a romantic relationship, but can't it, as opposed to wasting that kind of time making him unsympathetic as opposed to like, I don't know, doing what they did. I just, I don't know. I just feel like they could have cut Dolores. I- I'm not saying yeah. that she adds nothing. It's just that it what it adds is him being less sympathetic of a character. Yeah, yeah. And I don't and feel... It's, it's quite funny that in this episode that literally starts right off the bat, it still manages to waste time yeah. in the beginning. Because I feel like they didn't make it feel like he was at a breaking point. That's what it feels like they were trying to do. But it didn't feel like that. Like, not enough time passed. Not Definitely enough events passed. So when he freaks out, it was not earned. He just seems like a jerk. And I feel like instead of having the relationship stuff, they could have had more events with the answering machine occurring instead of just having it blow up in his face for, like, no reason. Like, if you just have one thing happen, that's not blowing up. Like, blowing up is having a couple of these things happen. Blowing up is at that point where he's sitting there eating all this junk food on his couch, listening to the phone ring and ring and ring. That's the blowing up point. That mm. is when he, when he blows up, it's like, okay, I buy this. I don't buy it at that point, and I feel like that was a waste. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do you feel about that episode, Zachy? How do you feel about maybe what it was trying to do and maybe why it didn't do it? I'm going to be real. I feel this episode definitely deserves to be at the bottom. This is an episode that is so fundamentally broken in its story that you can't piece a good story out of it. Unlike many other stories in the bad lineup that like, oh, well, if you change this, then this episode, then the story would be good. Or alternatively, I can see what they were trying to do, but they mishandled it. This has no starting point worth starting. And this has no good execution of it. There is nothing redeeming about this episode other than it didn't make me angry. I mean, for me, that's a big thing. If it's dumb and I'm not angry... I mean, that's quite a lot of points. I would rather not be angry watching an episode. If I'm frustrated, all my enjoyment is like right out the window. And it could be good too. But if I am angry most of the time, that is just not an enjoyable feeling. Like, I don't enjoy feeling sad or crying either. I'm, of course, not going to say something's a bad movie if it made me cry. If it can move me to tears, that's points for it. But if it can move me to anger, then that's actually not points for it. Mm-hmm. This did, I'm of course, neither. But I would still consider myself liking it. I, I still, I would still consider it more enjoyable than some of the previous episodes that really got me frustrated. Like, you can tell in some of those other episodes that I'm really mad. You know, even Mookie and Poogie made me mad in certain aspects, but... You know what? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a hot take right now. Hmm. I liked Jin No Chaser more than this episode. Uh, I don't know how I feel. It had a comprehensive story. True. And that is something to enjoy. Regardless of how the episode goes about it, there is something to enjoy in that episode. I can't enjoy anything in this episode except for the voice of the answering machine. I I just... The acting is way overblown 
for many of the characters, especially the main character, mm-hmm. everything goes from zero to 60 instantaneously and feels completely undeserved. And its pacing is awful. I never thought to myself, wow, this had no time to develop. This is already happening. It's already blowing up. And we kind of have like two endings in this episode. We have him turning off the machine, which in most cases would have just been the end of it. I don't think so. I feel so. like you could end it there. I feel like, I mean, you could, but that would be too if you short. If you had more happening to begin with, but like, like I, how I, it seems to have I feel like that would culminated. Be... It feels like this should have been days until he had decided to destroy the answering but machine. But it was so anticlimactic for him to press the button, though. I feel like if you destroy the, the main villain that easily, it always feels like it's not over yet. So for me, that would be far too anticlimactic to be an actual ending. Mm-hmm. But particularly in an anthology show like this, like the villain usually gets like the last laugh if there's a very direct one like this. Or actually really in horror in general, that's kind of the case. But I don't know. I Jin no Chaser made me so uncomfortable. Those it did. It made me scenes. feel something. But no, I... Well, Painkiller made me feel nothing. And... The Jin no Chaser made me feel exceedingly uncomfortable, like, almost constantly. But hey, there was some funny dialogue. Yeah, but that was really unfunny by all the unfunny dialogue around it. Like, that could have been funny if I didn't just hear 50 million unfunny jokes beforehand. And it had a better plot. Well, the plot is exceedingly simple. This better one... than nothing. Not Better than fundamentally broken well, establishment of what is happening. Outside of the characters and the dialogue, sure, the plot is better written but it's still not at least for me it's still not more enjoyable necessary necessarily but i wouldn't i wouldn't say like, i definitely did not enjoy Jin no chaser i actively i mean me either it. but what i'm saying is is there's more entertainment out of Jin no chaser See, than think all of. a I clone actually, by the telephone i don't know i actually feel like i all a clone at the very least does have that ha-cha-cha kind of a voice guy. Jindo Chaser didn't have that. To me, that's always a bonus point. It it also is just so stupid that I kind of like it because it's it just makes no sense. Nothing about fair, it though, makes sense in such a they-think-it-makes-sense kind of way, which is pretty funny to me. And I don't know. I, I just am happy to not be stared at like by an increasingly close shot of a person. But you know what though? I I can't say I would ever rewatch All a Clone by the Telephone. I would rewatch Jin No Chaser as a so bad it's good episode. Oh man, I wouldn't. I, just, I, I there's hate a lot those of bad I hate them so much. But you can laugh at it. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well then agree to disagree. Like yeah, we will because I like I swear, like that just made me so incur- it was literally painful to rewatch. This one I rewatched and it just wasn't as painful. Like it was a lot more of like no feeling. It was like, oh wow, that's stupid, but not really anything else. So I mean I felt less, but feeling less bad is is better for me. Now, I have some questions Ye- for general discussion. First question is, what exactly is the answering machine is it a clone an alternate universe version of leon or is it a sentient answering machine or something in the middle it is all of those (laughs) at least it wants to claim that's what it is it says it is an alternate version of leon alternate universe yeah 
Actually, I'm not even sure it says that in that many words. It just mentions alternate universes. I don't think in any actual words. Yeah, it, it says implies it is that Leon's Leon. the alternate universe. Yeah. So the fact that it has the same voice—that's where the implication lies. But it doesn't actually say I'm you or I'm a clone of you or anything like that. The entire title makes no sense whatsoever. It is also clearly a sentient answering machine because it it refers to itself in robotic ways like oh i beg you on bended transistors and it's like you you are clearly an answering machine like a person doesn't have transistors so (laughs) there's that but it also mentions i'm inside the answering machine and it's like no you aren't like you are the answering machine itself but it's just a bizarre thing it makes no sense because no one could decide what it actually was so they went with all of it at once (laughs) now why kfc chicken and pizza all at once Uh, Because this guy really hates his arteries. (laughs) Oh, he really, really hates them and wants them dead like right now. You think there's some kind of like special flavor combination with all three of those that if you ate all three at once, just create this amazing flavor profile. No, if you really like grease, that's the flavor you're going to (laughs) get. Okay. And last but not least with one of these quick fire questions, how do you think the answering machine credits itself in the series credits. Man, I was wondering about that. And I feel like that's the plot point that Mm -hmm. makes the entire thing make sense or not. Because if this thing is what it alleges to be, and that's an alternate reality version of Leon, then its name is Leon. But if it's just an answering machine, which the entire logic of everything about this episode would make it out to be that its name is TCD 30, which it can't really be credited. It's that. So that doesn't make any sense. I feel like, heck, I I say, given my idea of what they're trying to do, I'm thinking that maybe its name really is Leon. But again, that doesn't make the ending make sense because it makes it sound as though it's a different entity from Leon, which is why it is the one who wants fame. Which, again, makes no sense if its name is Leon because then Leon isn't actually sacrificing literally anything. And he's acting like, I just sold my soul. It's like, no, you didn't. You're just literally given everything you've ever wanted. You're given everything. So why are you upset? And if it's name is Leon, that he's it's his name. So his name's in the credits. So he's getting the credits. And I just, it's so confusing. So I really don't know what his name is. I just, I'm going to say its name is TCD 30 Leon. <laughs> That's his right. name. That is an answer I will I will stick with. That is a, that is a pretty good answer for that. Mm. One more question though: How would you rate this episode? I uh, honestly, this is to me, it's not a hideously offensive episode. It's also too dumb to be just mediocre. So I think I'm going to rate it two and a half stars. Because hmm. I mean. My thing is, is it didn't make me angry. So that to me makes it more enjoyable than a lot of other episodes. So it doesn't get to be average, but it doesn't get to be horribly bad. So that's my final answer. You know, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think it's equal, but slightly less enjoyable than Jinno Chaser. But they're both really close to the bottom. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not good. <laughs> Neither one is Neither good. Neither one are good. And, and, like, yeah. It's like comparing indigestion to diarrhea. It's just, <laughs> like, they're both awful, but, like, which one would you prefer? Hmm. So now I got a question for you. Yes. 
What's our next episode? Oh boy. This next episode is thankfully a nice change of pace from the schlock that we've had to shovel for the last two episodes. This episode is in the cards and it's actually a pretty decent episode. Yeah, it's actually really good. It's definitely a nice change of pace. (laughs) Yeah, the characters are good. The plot's okay. And there's this nonstop sound effect that is hilarious. It's not necessarily unfitting, but it becomes more and more noticeable the longer they keep using it. And it gets funnier, honestly. (laughs) So where do you think you can find us? And do you think by contacting us, you'll also reach our answering machines? <laughs> well, you very well may reach our answering machines, but you can find us at This House Podcast on Instagram, as well as This House Podcast at gmail.com if you wanted to email us. Make sure to find and rate us on iTunes, please. Because if you do, we will read them in our heads as the answering machine. That's a promise. <laughs> That's all for tonight's episode. So, listeners, now that you're done ghostwriting our 10-hour miniseries, get out of our house! bad part about having an answering machine that just records forever is you have to listen to people like me. Hello, just wanted to make sure you had a message to come back to. Here it is. La 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 la